You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, hosted on the Line of Sight Podcast Network. Line of Sight is proud to host War Machine University, Brawl Machine, and Fallen Corvus, as well as numerous content creators like Field of Fire, Lightbringers, Brawler Bios, Vicarious Competition, Midnight Monpod, and Charge and Spike. You can find our content at loswarmachine.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 160 of Line of Sight. My name is Jaden, and I'm here with Brett. Hi, I'm here. Hey, yeah, Chandler's not feeling well tonight, so he's out, and we will miss him, and he will hopefully be back uh, next week, because, um, I don't know, I always feel like the cast is better when all three of us are here. Maybe that's just I, I do. I do think three is the sweet spot for our cast. Yeah, it's pretty good. Two, two, we have this thing where two of us will go on tangents, and then the third one isn't there to stop us. <laughs> or to say, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> or to say, I need to go to sleep, yeah, one of those things. Um, anyway... So uh, let's dive right into news, I suppose. And there is a little bit. Uh, backers of the Iron Kingdom's Requiem Kickstarter should be getting their digital PDFs for that sometime in the next few weeks. Uh, they s- indicated that March was when they expected that to happen. So keep your eyes on your emails, I guess. And Which means we need to start doing more episodes on it. <laughs> yep. Probably next week we'll be doing a, uh, a D&D episode, the yeah. second one. And then after oh. that, I think we'll do the one shot. Hopefully. Yeah, those definitely need Chandler. Yes. Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, I could write the campaign as well, but I don't really feel like it, and he's already working on it, so... No, we need you writing Paul and Corvus. Yes. Speaking of which, um, (laughs) we made a fantastic discovery about ten minutes ago, which was that apparently all of the stuff that I didn't actually want to do, because it's the Dredgery, like... Point cost. Yeah, point cost and data entry stuff. I did that already, like, last month. Yeah, I offered uh, to complete it and then finish it within 30 seconds. It was great. Yeah, Brett is the fastest. <laughs> um, I mean, your your title is Deuter, uh, Junior Data Entry Specialist, so... Uh, I don't want to tell yeah. you. Perfect. Cool. We're going we're gonna to upgrade you to, like, Journeyman Data Entry Specialist or something. <laughs> is um, it with a pay raise? Uh, yeah, but it's a percentage-based one. God damn it. <laughs> um... So uh, that we're hoping to have a like a functional live beta for Corvus update one by the end of March at the very latest, um, hopefully sooner than that, because we don't want it butting up into the Brawl Machine update beta, which we're announcing right now is going to be at the end of April. Um, We're going to start that up right around then. Uh, And what that's going to look like is very similarly to the last two times we did beta testing. Uh, We have three scenarios that we need to test. We have uh, uh, Ignition version 2, and then also Asteroids and Syzygy version 2. And we're going to have three-week leagues, probably two of them, um, to to test those out rather thoroughly. We're looking at changes to the Epic list, um, putting a few more on. Yeah, actually, quite a few. Do you want to talk about it? Um... I mean, I don't know if I know the details, but sure. <laughs> I mean, I can just tell you what they are, and you can do yeah. your reactions. So we're looking at... First of all, let's talk about what we're, gonna, what we're potentially looking at taking off. Um, so we're potentially looking at taking 
uh, McBain off of the epic list. Uh, this was always like McBain was always like a caveat on the epic list that the caveat was basically if people adopt a sideboard like as the main way to play this game, then he's probably fine because people are going to bring some sort of healing out mm-hmm. somewhere. So uh, we're looking at taking him off. He's very, very strong in this format, obviously. Um, he's similar to, but probably not as good as Bethane 2. And, um, well, and and see, that's really the thing is um, he only works on that one axis, right? He has a he has a decent feet or yeah, he has a decent feet and not really much else. Right. Whereas, Whereas too pe- yeah, people who deserve to be on the epic list need to be strong in a lot of axes. Yeah. And, and pushing punishing the game in a lot of ways. So he's yeah. he's potentially coming off. Um, I already have some people from Michigan uh, playing a Brawl Machine League, I believe, with uh, McBain being played by. Uh, one of them so we'll see how that goes and we'll add that to the data pool um and then we're also looking at potentially taking sentry stones off the epic list mm-hmm. uh some this so, is this is the danger of having a bunch of circle players <laughs> as the people designing a format <laughs> yeah well so that's the nice thing about the fact that we're probably going to have another like thousand data points to go off right to, exactly so the, the the rationale here is the following things. Sentry stones, unlike Hellmouths, are actually fairly easy to kill. Yeah. Um, and their primary way of doing the the thing where they live forever and contesting zones for a long time is that in Steamroller, the zones are quite spread out and there's lots of places to hide them. Right. That's not nearly so true in Brawl Machine. So, um, so yeah, it's less we'll, of a we'll test it. Yeah, so we're going to test. And the other thing is, like, without them, Bones of Warbros is a very, very sad theme force. Mm-hmm. And um, So I want to mention one thing that isn't technically a uh, um, an epic list change. Um, mm-hmm. We are going to be shifting the scenarios around in such a way that in order to lower the primacy of solos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that, yes. It, that is one thing that we... That is one emergent... Uh, solution to the game that we didn't didn't like so we're gonna we're gonna try and design around that a little bit Um, yeah so we love our we love the scenarios but they did lead to a problem that people have noticed which is that you need a lot of solos in order to compete and when new players come in and be like what should i build and they're like nine solos and like that's not what we wanted (laughs) right yeah so so specifically the changes we're looking at is uh, ignition has two flags on the left side of, of the setup if you're looking at it from the document and we're going to take those flags out we're going to put a rectangular zone vertically there and we're going to put a flag in the center of it so we're reducing the flag burden from three down to two and we're also making them both centralized so they're easier to interact with mm-hmm. um, and then our new scenarios syzygy has two flags and it won't likely get a third asteroids does have a third but it's they're all very compact and easy to attack well, and even if, okay, so now it's a state of design goal. So it is now up to testing and tuning. So if you feel we haven't met that goal, now we can fix that. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a thing that coming out of Brawl Machine 1, people have been, myself included, <laughs> have just been playing like, I have six solos and no units and like a slightly bigger than normal battle group because it works fine. Um, yeah. Some of my favorite lists are like that. And... While they're really fun and it's really cool to play super solos, uh, it's not necessarily what's great for the format. And by adding, in this case, two more rectangular zone scenarios into it, we're also increasing the viability of battle groups 
just okay. a touch because that was the other piece of feedback we've been getting is that battle group lists feel a little punished. Which we wanted, but they've been punished a little too much, perhaps. <laughs> so this isn't testing, but yep. uh, yeah, we'll, so that's we'll going to go into testing. The, the things that we're considering adding to the epic list are uh, Azazello still, because Vengeance of Dunya came out since the, the update, or since the first uh, Brawl Machine document, yes. yeah. and we need to test it. And, yep. We're also looking at uh, adding uh, Bennett to the epic list. Um, Is that the most asked about caster? <laughs> no, it's still Falsier. Oh, <laughs> Uh, which we are also testing to see if she needs to go on the epic list. Um, yeah, it's what it's a matter of whether she is as powerful as we think, or if that's just a matter of um, uh, anchoring adjustment heuristic. Yep. And then, uh, unfortunately, if Lucas comes out of the Grizzled Guard CID as he is, he will be instantly added to the epic list because he has the telekinesis spell now. Yeah, so. that's not that's not a matter of testing though. Yep. Nope. That's uh that's just a thing that's going to happen. So. Yeah, that's kind of the state of Brawl Machine. Uh, look for a sign-up sheet to come out in the next couple of weeks. I know it's several several weeks in advance, but I want to get people aware of it and able to participate uh, as they can. So that's going to include um, images and setups for the two new scenarios, a, a, an image for the updated uh, ignition, and then also the, the test models that we care about. And maybe like a pre-league uh, data submission form if people are already playing games. Lots going on. We're busy. Anyway. Good busy, but busy. Good busy, yeah. Other news. Um, Crucible Guard CID is over. Uh, we've got nothing new out until next month for War Machine, the game. Uh, we've got a bunch of painting and review articles on the releases from March up on our website, and we're about to have some more, or at least another one. Uh, I've done Falsier, Eternae, and I'm doing Death Archons as well. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're turning out well. People are liking them, which is really fun. So Yeah. Yeah, the articles seem very popular. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. My goal is always to, like, see how many people I can get to buy article or buy models with my articles. And uh, it, it works pretty well, usually. I, I'm fairly hyped about things 99% of the time if I'm writing about them. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well... We're going to talk about power attacks today. Um, Why are we talking about power attacks? We're talking about power attacks because it's come up on our Discord a lot in the last week. And, you know, we have opinions and we didn't feel like <laughs> typing them because we have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Why, why write things down when you could just say them without editing? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so um, uh, we're going to talk about power attacks as, as far as, like, how useful we find them, applications for them, um, times when they're good, times when they're less good, times when they win you games that they otherwise would not. Um, well, we think about them in general, like their overall power level and how they affect the game. Yeah, we'll probably do that at the end, I think. So uh, let, let's just go through. I'm going to list what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about sweeps first. Then we're going to talk about power strikes. Those are the two colossal ones. We're going to get them out of the way right off the bat. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, headbutts and then tramples and then slams and then throws. So... And I'm going to be sad because there's no more arm locks. <laughs> Speaking of things that were never used for their intended purpose. <laughs> no, but boy, were they good against the things that were busted yeah. in Mark II. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to be like real thorough about this and I'm going to pull up a colossal card so we can read the actual text of what sweep and power strike so, do. So let's talk about the biggest problem with the uh, power text in general. Okay. Uh, which is every time you use them, you have to call a judge. <laughs> uh, that's not true for headbutts. That's accurate, actually. Yeah, because as long as you don't try to head headbutt something bigger than you, you're fine. Yeah, and if you remember the melee range, which I... Uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, um, so uh, let's just real quickly define what a power attack is. Power attack is a special kind of attack that war beasts, war jacks, monstrosities, infernal horrors, and colossals and gigantuans can use. Did I forget any kinds of... Some people can. Some people have a rule that let them. Okay, yeah, yeah. Some people have a, a thing. But they're not power attacks in that case, usually. Um, sometimes yeah, they're, they are. They're, they're they're you're right. They're just <laughs> the power attack, but they're not power attack. Yep, yep. So um, they, they, the, the baseline rules are the power attack costs a focus or, a, or generates a fury to use, and it uses up all of your melee initial attacks. This is really important because you can still make ranged attacks after that if you happen to have dual attack, which... Some Warjacks have. Do any Colossals and Gigantuans? I think so. I don't know. Oh, um, 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 um uh, the, the Retribution Helion. one. Helio Helios. Helios. Yes, because I've, I've had Helios trample and drag things around too many times. Yes. Um, the Storm Raptor did when it was first released. Fun fact. <laughs> uh, it was really good when it was first released. This was Mark II, so, you know, it was a while ago, but... It could trample 10 and then shoot 12 and then reposition 3. It was glorious. It was fun. <sighs> anyway. Yeah. And, and dual attack makes power attacks massively more powerful. Correct. Because it's not taking out literally half to two-thirds of your output in one go. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just taking off like maybe a quarter of it. Yeah. So I think one, an important, another important place to start is when you're thinking about power attacks you need to not think of them as, like, image output. Does that make sense? Yeah. They, they are not a, I'm going to kill a model type of, uh, type of idea. They are, I'm going to control the battlefield in some way kind of idea. Right. It's, um, yeah, if, if, you're, if you're worried about the efficiency of power attacks versus your initials, you probably shouldn't be using a power attack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's some niche cases for that. We'll talk about what those are. And and honestly, that's what makes sweep <laughs> the worst. Yeah. So we're we're starting with sweep, and I'm just going to read it. Um, a gigantic or colossal chooses a melee weapon with a location of L or R to make a sweep power attack. This is the first problem with sweep because it makes you choose an arc. Yeah. It makes one melee attack with the weapon against each model in the weapon's field of fire that is within the model's melee range, ignoring intervening models when determining line of sight. Okay. Caveats. Power attacks do not get to use the special rules on the weapons. So that includes Chain Strike on things like the Kraken and um, the Sepulchre and on the Sea King. Yep. Otherwise, this would actually be a good rule on them. <laughs> yeah, or things like Chain Light or Electro uh, Leap. Yep. Yeah. Or, or Disruption or um, like Pitch if something randomly has Pitch. Um, Anyway, this power attack does not require a target, but each separate attack does. That means you have to have line of sight to everything you're attacking. These attacks are simultaneous. That's actually kind of a good thing because that means that, like, 
battle driven and other things like that, although this is a colossal, um, don't get to, uh, you know, battle driven after each attack. Um, and then models that suffer a power attack at damage roll, which <clears throat> is typically speaking going to just, well, it's not a, it's not a basic attack. That's all that means. Um, it gets around things like Grim Salvation on Magic 1. Uh, some things that say when this model is targeted by a basic attack, do X thing. Um, other other spells say when a model is damaged by a basic attack. So this doesn't trigger that. So, uh, yeah. So if you've got two melee initials, which is the most common number of for initials. Gargantuans, maybe. <laughs> sure, for Gargantuans. Um, if you have two melee initials, that means you need to have four things in that arc for this to be better. If you have three melee initials, it means you need to have five things in that arc for this to be better. Um, it's not a good look, is what we're saying. No. <laughs> now, if for some reason, like, say you're shadowbound and you opted, not, or no, that doesn't even work. If, you, if you're, like, strangleheld and you need to hit a bunch of things in your right your or left current arc, front arc, yeah. Yeah, in your current front arc, and you cannot, like, move to do it, then it might be better because you are giving up the the other side initial attack regardless. But that is a super niche case. It's a pretty weird situation, too. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, be aware. It can exist. It's yeah. worth, like, knowing that that's a possibility. Um, yeah. But it's pretty easy to do the math, is, is what we're saying. Is like, you can just very quickly go, my initials plus a focus versus the number of things I can attack on that side. Um, now... Important things to note, you don't get any extra dice to hit or damage on these, so they're just regular old attacks. Um, and it's just really hard to justify doing a sweep. I've done it a few times. Really? Yeah, somebody parked an entire unit of Shifting Stones in melee with my... Oh, um, Auto-hitting is a nice, nice way to start with that, yeah. Yep, uh, an entire unit of Shifting Stones, and then, like, I think there was a Stalker there and something else mm -hmm. uh, it, on, on just the right side of my... Uh, victor or not my victor my conquest at one point and i was like well i'm gonna sweep because i'm just gonna kill these shifting stones without rolling any dice because dice plus five yeah. and and then i might get to hit your stalker and your other thing at the same time so like i've used it a couple times i've played like a thousand games of war machine <laughs> and colossals have been released for almost all of those games yeah. so yeah so we're starting at a downer. Um, this, yep. this power attack is unlike the other ones in that it's not really a power attack. It's just another. It's a. It's a special attack that all gargantuans have access to. All colossals and gargantuans have access to. Yep. Now I will say, if you're playing into specifically Magic Two, uh, and you have the option to sweep power attack and hit him, and he doesn't have any transfers, do it because. <laughs> He can't sack it off. We appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because they can't Grim Salvation it off, and you will probably win the game because your opponent forgot about this rule, uh, which makes sense because everybody forgets that this rule exists. Mm -hmm. So um, sweet power attacks are not a good advocate for power attacks being in the game, I don't yeah. think. But, yeah. And honestly, I'm okay. So I, I this is a probably an artifact of the original Colossal design where they were being very, very cautious to make sure that Colossals didn't break the game. Yeah. Because um, they haven't really changed since Mark II. The power tax notes, I don't think have. Yeah. No. 
Well, I, and specific, I know that because the last time I made sweep and power strike attacks was Mark II. Uh, because I wouldn't have been playing a conquest in Mark III. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so uh, the next power attack on this list is Power Strike, which is another Gigantuan Colossal only um, power attack. And here's what it says it says a Gigantuan must have at least one weapon with open fist. To make a power strike power attack, which most of them do. Yeah, trying almost, to think. Almost all of them. Like the Hydra doesn't? And is that it? All of the all of the Colossals do. All of the troll ones do. Yeah, they all have at least one. Yeah, the 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 mount the mammoth has two. The Archangel and the Blight- oh, the Blightbringer maybe doesn't have open fists, actually. What about Stormraptor? The Stormraptor does. It's got claws. Oh, really? Well, it was- yeah. I guess it's weird to be hitting with your wings. Those aren't exactly... Yeah, let, me, let me just verify. <laughs> yeah, they're open fists. Yep. Um, I know I, I have actually won games with Stormraptors throwing things before because they're yeah. strength uh, exactly. 13 and then you prime them. And, and they're very fast. And, and you chromac feet and then suddenly <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm strength 6. 17 so i can throw this eight and a half inches um yeah anyway um continuing with the text of this after that sidetrack um uh the power strike power attack is a melee range equal to that weapon's melee range again you can't use chain strike on the set or the kraken or the sepulcher for that um its target must be in an open fist field of fire and have a smaller base than the gigantuan or colossal the Gigantuan makes a melee attack against the target. If the attack hits, the target is slammed D6 plus two inches directly away from the Gigantuan and suffers a power attack damage roll. Um, this is a lot better than a sweep. Well, yeah, it's essentially a slam, right? Yeah, it, it is a slam. Um, but it allows you to position a little bit more precisely. It doesn't have quite the range that a slam does. Right. Um, but it's, you know, it's still not bad by any stretch of the imagination and the d6 plus two inches is really good although heart uh gigantuan and colossal slams also get plus two inches so that's kind of a, a wash mm-hmm. um i think well it, the pros to this though are that you don't have to move three inches first right you don't have to move slam. directly yeah versus a slam and with a slam and then com- and compared to throws there's not an additional dice roll Correct. There's no uh, strength check. Um, also, compared to slams, you do not have to move directly towards your target. So if you need to like move around a building, you can do this. Um, and yeah, in general, I think this is just a very useful little trick that people forget about because oftentimes it's better to just punch the thing instead. I think this is one of the worst victims of the never power attack with colossal syndrome. I agree. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's it's interesting because, well, and actually, hold on. One other pro over the, the slam power attack is that this has an actual, like, humongous power or damage roll attached, attached to it because it makes an attack with the fist weapon. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, like, the collateral damage is still, like, 20-something. Uh, the collateral damage is quite high. I believe, yeah. yeah. And even if it's not, the initial damage roll is way higher than a slam would be. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, I think I think power attack strikes are significantly stronger than people give them credit for. There are going to be points in the game where your opponent has put a very important model not super close to the Colossal or Gigantuan, and they put a heavy into the Gigantuan to keep it distracted, right? And then you have really bad choices of, I kill this thing, and then that other thing kills me, or I back up and take a free strike, and then the original thing kills me. And you can maybe do things like strike the annoying Warjack into the other Warjack, and then... You know, go after them with all of your guns that weren't wanting to try to hit the things. Or maybe it was their caster, and then their caster just dies because you get to then do whatever you want um, to them. So. Um, yeah, and, and okay. That is the core principle of power attacks, is you're not trying to get damage output, right? You're trying to get something special to happen. Mm-hmm. And this one excels at that because you can line it up so precisely. Um, so, like, if you need something knocked down, if you need something far, far away from where it started. Yep. Yeah, because, like, at max, so say you get to two-inch melee with whatever it is you're attacking, and then if you do roll max on your on your slam, which, again, not guaranteed, but it's a minimum of five inches away from the Gigantuan at this point and a maximum of ten. Yes, and you're doing this if it can be knocked down. Or, or That's if right. you're trying to knock down something else. Yeah. Or even if it's like, like another use case for this is my Gigantuan slash Colossal, probably just the Colossal, to be honest, um, has a broken uh, broken arm. And I'm not likely to kill this fairly high defense model with my suite of attacks. But I can clear the zone by boosting a power strike or power strike into it. And that potentially wins me the game. Yep. And you're absolutely right. Clearing the zone is another huge example. Yeah. So <clears throat> I actually have not used a power attack strike in a very long time. I think I've used it a couple times. But it is something that you should be always thinking about, especially in that mid to mid to late game kind of like turns four plus state. Um, it helps that it has very similar use cases to slams and throws. Yes. And, uh, and it's really, really good for that. But... It's uh, it's threat vector is different enough from those other two things that players might not. Right. Um, be it is different. You need that. to know the, you know, the, the specifics, but it its purpose is similar. Yep. Um, before we move on, it is worth noting that Gigantuans and Colossals get a two inch range on headbutts and uh, slams as well. So that's actually really, really strong in some ways. A lot of people line up. Um, against slam well actually nobody lines up against slams to be honest nobody even yeah nobody thinks i never think of slams uh they're just like well i have to be in charge range so whatever um but you can slam with a a gigantuan and it goes an extra two inches in that particular case as well so you know just think about that uh as as an output option yeah yeah all right, let's talk about headbutts and why I love them. Because headbutts, I've probably used more than any other power attack. Yeah. Um, so a headbutt is, I, I suppose I should pull up the core rulebook at this point because I can no longer just look at a card uh, and, and do it. But basically, a headbutt is spend a power or spend a focus. Too much Marvel Crisis Protocol, can you tell? <laughs> um, spend a focus or generate a fury and then make a 
headbutt power attack. Um, and the headbutt power attack has some restrictions. It only has a melee range of 0.5 inches if you are not a Gigantuan or Colossal. So that's bad right off the bat. Um, I don't believe you can extend that with things like elasticity. Like there's just no way to do it. They just have that range. Um, and if it hits, uh, the target takes a power uh, damage roll equal to the strength of the attacker and also gets knocked down. Yes. Which getting knocked down is the apocalypse. Yeah. Not like we joke about mo- there being more and more models that are immune to knockdown, but it's they they still exist and most of the time they're casters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they often are. Um <laughs> and even if they're not, um it's it's very common to headbutt something down so that you clear up line of sight for another purpose. That is actually a fantastic point. Um a lot of the time you'll see something uh like a a person who's put a line of models between whatever or even just like one model base to base of the building. Yep. Um where you can uh just attack them with a headbutt, knock them down, and suddenly they're no longer blocking line of sight. And that could be the end of all things. Um, because maybe a Gigantua needed line of sight to charge, or maybe your caster needed line of sight to cast a really important spell, yeah. or maybe, 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 like there's infinitely I mean, let, many let, applications. Yeah, yeah, let's be let's be honest. The most common one here is uh, now now all of your guns can see them; they're dead. Yeah, now all of your guns can see them, or your thing with flight. Uh, well, your, the flight thing would have ignored it anyway, but um, can can charge like another model can charge because they have distance, but they wouldn't be able to otherwise. Um, and this is just a big deal. Now, important thing here. A model cannot headbutt a thing with a larger base than it. Just cannot do it. So this is actually a rule that I see played wrong a fair bit with chain attack. Um, chain attack, grab and smash. Because people will go, well, I can't throw this colossal, so I'm just going to headbutt it. The rules of power attack say a model cannot headbutt a model with a larger base. So, unless that's been errated somewhere, I'm pretty sure that you just can't do it. I think so. Um, but yeah, I have I've seen games, like important games, actually, uh, lost on this um, on on streams and things where, yeah. you know, maybe that well, tormentor gets its extra attack in. Yeah, and like, think about how valuable it is to have a spell like, like like Force Hammer or White Squall, like, and just all of your stuff has it. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It it gets lower marks um because you have to hit hit the thing that you um the the thing the thing with high defense, the thing you want to knock down. Mm-hmm. Um it also has super limited threat range. Yes. Which brings us to <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I suppose I suppose we may as well go into that. Uh, tramples? Oh, okay. So that wasn't a very good transition. <laughs> what were you so, going to say? Well, so think about the things that, like like Power Strike, like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Oh, so slams. Yeah. Okay, sure. Third, we ranges about slams. third ranges are not the problem of slams. <laughs> they have lots of problems, so that is not them. <laughs> yeah. So um, slams are similar to headbutts in that the, uh, the end, end result is that things are knocked over. 
Um, but uh, here is what here's what a slam is. A model can make a slam of power attack and forfeit either its normal moon or combat action. That's a big deal, actually, because headbutts can be done if you had to sacrifice your movement. Um, and it can be devastating if you see that angle. Um, so, a model making a slam can attempt to slam any model that's in its line of sight at the beginning of its normal movement. That's important because you need to be able to do that. Declare a slam and a, its target before moving the slamming model. And, okay, whatever, target, yep. After declaring a slam, turn the slamming model to directly face the slam target. People play this wrong a lot, so just be aware that you actually have to like turn directly to face them. And then advances at speed plus three inches directly toward its target. Again, directly towards is the key here. And this is honestly the main problem with slams. And you'll really notice it when you have counter slam. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the slamming model cannot voluntarily stop its movement unless its target is in its melee range. And again, uh, slam power attacks um, have a 0.5-inch melee range for this, so just be aware. Um, but it can end this movement at any point with its target in its slam power attacks melee range. If it stops, it stops if it contacts a model, an obstacle, or an obstruction, or if it is pushed, slammed, or thrown, or placed during a slam movement. Um, if model contacts a model, an obstacle, or an obstruction while moving as part of the slam power attack, but is able to move through it for some reason, then you get to keep going. Yeah, yeah, this is just sort of like... Boilerplate. Yeah. Important. You may not change your facing after you slam. Um... You just can't. So sometimes, I, again, I see people like... Wait. Is there a limit to that? Can you not change it when you reposition? Uh, it doesn't say. I, it just says a model cannot change its facing after advancing as part of a slam. Oh, sure. So that, just that, like normally that, you, can, you can change your facing after an advance, right? Um, so when you've successfully slammed something, you have to move at least three inches. That can also be a big problem. It makes an attack roll. If it hits, uh, then you get slammed. You get minus two to attack if your target is a bigger base than you, which is important. Well, but that's actually really cool. Yeah. Um. No, I agree. Like, I think it's I think it's really thematic that like this Gorax is going to have a harder time slamming my. But it's know. still possible. But it's still possible. Yeah, like. The Gorax is 400 pounds of solid muscle. It could absolutely knock something huge over. Um, so if you do successfully make a slam attack roll, the target is slammed D6 inches directly away from the attacker, becomes knocked down, and then suffers a power attack damage roll. And if the slamming model, so in this case the Gorax, is smaller than the, whatever, the Ironclad, um, then the move distance is halved. However, uh, and then again, huge base models move them an additional two inches. Um, an important thing that I don't actually think I realized. So this is again cute Madrak two tech. Uh, and <laughs> if you move, if you declare a slam but don't move three inches, you still make a, an attack roll, and it's still if you hit it, it's a power attack still. Not a basic attack. Not a basic attack. That's funny. Yeah. So, yeah. A couple of really important things that come up about slams. A slam movement is not a push. Yeah, it's not advanced. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a push. It's not a place. So things like sturdy do not work against slams. Immovable object does work against slams, it but has to say slam. yep. Um, so yeah, if something doesn't say immune to slam movement or slams, then they are they they can be moved by these things. Um, this is a really powerful rule. It does 
all of the things that a headbutt can do, but it does them from farther away, assuming you can make yourself a proper lane to your slam target. And it without has, the base size restriction. And without the base size restriction, yeah. Um, it can knock over multiple things because a slammed model moves through any models that are smaller than it. And knocks them all over. And knocks them all over until it either runs out of movement or you know, lands into a wall or a building or a model that is its size or bigger. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> my favorite slam that I have ever done, uh, I had a, um, I had a Whirlpool soccer staring down a line of trench or infantry under Haley two or Haley three. And there was an ironclad off to the side and the soccer was off to the slide. So I just slammed the ironclad over like six trenchers. <laughs> and it was great. Auto kills them. Auto knocks them down. <laughs> auto kills. Auto knocks down. Yep. No toughs. Um, it, it, it was beautiful. Um, but, you know, you can get slams that uh, devastate uh, your opponents, like knock down two heavies and then throw a blind bomb on them and then stationary them with something. And all of a sudden it's like, congratulations. If you have Cortex is intact, you get no focus next turn because you spend it all to shake. Yeah. Um, and because the base size isn't a hard restriction it it's it makes light it makes light warpius especially incredibly valuable mm -hmm. or even things like the corollary can make slam attacks yep oh yeah uh, chargers are really good at slam attacks mm -hmm. yeah when it comes to the late game and you're like well i have to be accurate enough to kill xyz thing uh, you know who, your your light warjack warbeast that wasn't doing anything else might as well slam a Gorax yeah. can primal and then make a slam attack. Fun fact, um, which is pretty nutty when it yeah. lines up. Yeah, and if you yeah if you're ever worried about oh I don't know I don't think my light does enough. <laughs> this yeah. this I think the potential to win a game is often worth taking. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, also fun fact about Goraxes: if they're already hurt, they can primal, they can slam, and then they can boost the slam attack because pain response lets you make power attacks without uh, being forced. So that's that's really really good. It's something to look for, and and things like ghostly lights or extended controlled range lights. Oh man, yeah. um, lots of times you'll lose to a hell diver coming up, and uh, actually I don't know if it can slam when it comes up. I think it had buttons when it comes not up anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know you know how stalkers are terrifying. <laughs> now they have a new tool. <laughs> yeah, now they have a new tool. Like woohoo, they're, they're way off to the side and they can get to my thing, but they're probably not gonna kill it, and instead they just slam it. And it's like uh, oh. Slam it out of control area and then it's knocked down. That's yep. the worst. Yep, that's not good. It's not good at all. Um yeah, so slams have even more use cases, I think, than headbutts do because they have a longer range on them. They have um no size restriction on the bases, and again, like if the worst thing that they can do is they can just unblock a bunch of line of sight for another thing to go in and do work. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's such a huge tool. It's, it's almost well, impossible to overstate how much that can change the game. And especially because it's not hard to knock over two things with a slam. No, not at all. Or more. Yeah. yeah. And like turning a, um, turning a wall that's like keeping a caster alive from, complete to missing a gap of two heavies <laughs> it's like you might as well not even be there yeah absolutely assuming you're like gunning for them or something or in some other way dealing with them yeah can't stand on them 
Yep. Yeah, I mean, even if it's like there's two heavies in this zone, I have to contest this zone with something. There's nowhere to hide my light warjack or war beast that was going to go into that zone. I might as well just go slam those two things into each other. So next turn, they have a much less friendly like time of dealing with me. Right. Because um, at, at very best, what has to happen then is they both spend a focus to shake, and they ha- the caster has to allocate them another focus for them to go in and kill off the, the war beast. So now they are on... Their caster is on two less camp, has two less focus to put somewhere else. Um, like, that's just a, a ridiculous resource trade for, for something so small. Yeah. So, we like slams. Yeah. Well, and slams also have the highest threat range because you get the plus three inches. Yes. Yeah. Which is, which is a big deal. Plus three inches and then the half inch, yeah. Now, it's important to note there are some war beasts out there that cannot make slam attacks. Anything with serpentine? Nope. No slams for you. Many things with flight because they also, because they have because they have serpentine. Yeah. So, sorry legion war beasts, but but we were trauma we were traumatized by slip slams. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you're playing Zuriel, so why aren't you just killing them? <laughs> well, Golab can slam. That's true. Or Golab could go kill it and sprint away because that's mm-hmm. way better in many cases. Um, oh, well, you just yeah, you just under, undercut our point. But you can still sprint off slams. Oh, that's true, actually, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> that's even better. <laughs> um, oh, one other thing that's really important about slams and that I think we forgot to mention. Some models have an ability called Grand Slam, which, oh, that's right. which lets them move things that are slammed an extra two inches, just like Dragon Twins. And... A lot of those models also have a rule called follow-up. Follow-up is freaking insane. Follow-up is insanity. So I'm going to pull up the, the the Titan because it's important to get this right. Oh. Uh, you picked the one expensive one. I was, I was going to say, and most things that have follow-up and Grand Slam are very cheap, so you don't mind if you throw them away doing this ridiculousness. Which other things have, have follow-up and... Um, the Basher? Not the Basher. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, the Basher, I was right. Yeah, all right, sure. So follow-up says, when this model slams an enemy model, immediately after the slam is resolved, this model can advance directly toward the slam model up to the distance the slam model was moved. This is important because it does not tie it to its speed. So if you have something with Grand Slam that happens to slam an enemy heavy 8 inches, the speed 4 heavy that just moved 7 inches to get where it was, or 9, maybe because like Rush, or maybe it's a speed 6 heavy or whatever, gets to move another 8 inches. There, if there were infantry in the way, the infantry are probably dead because <laughs> they got slammed over. And um, important uh, important thing about this is that it doesn't specify that you have to be facing the thing you slammed when you finish your movement. So yeah. you can just walk up to it and then turn to face the caster that was hiding around the corner and is now probably dead. Yes. Lots of casters, if they can get knocked over this, just die. Um, lots of solos die this way too. Mm-hmm. Or you can like slam something out of a zone, follow it up to contest a flag, and then beat the thing you slammed to death with your other attacks. Yeah. Um, so this is a really strong rule that if you're not ready for it, will actually just lose you the game. Repeatedly. Because it's it's so good. Mm-hmm. And especially if you have like several of these threat vectors. Yes. Yeah, the Osram list that plays like three or four bashers. Uh. Yeah, I, 
and I definitely fell in this trap. I'm like, bashers, what do they do? <laughs> I played against them, like, oh, they're at the end of all things. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was, um, a couple of Seattle Opens ago, I was looking at Corey Doyle's list, and I was like, why do you have, like, three bashers in your Ostrom list? And he just pulls out the models and puts them on the table, and he goes, uh, put your caster in a place that you think is safe with, like, at least, like, your battle group around. And I was like, okay. And he's like, um, no, you're probably dead there. And I was like, say what? And he's like, well, here. And then proceeds to go through, like, the four different ways that two or three different bashers could get on my caster. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Bashers are especially egregious because they have, um, Blackfield, uh, Blackfield which is just a really good rule. Yep. Yeah. So, slams are good. And playing with slams will make you a better player because then you won't get got by slams as much. Yep. Okay. Tramples. So tramples. Tramples are much like arm locks. <laughs> They're very rarely used for their original purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So a trample is a power attack that you do, and basically you get to move your speed plus three inches in any one direction. You don't have to move all of your speed you can move as much as it as you want um yeah. and when you're done you can move over small base models with this movement when you're done with this movement you get to make melee attacks against everything that was underneath your base at some point during that movement and anything that wasn't under your base that could free strike you gets to free strike you first um and if it's a it's a, it's a really complicated wording yeah. Because War Machine doesn't really do like instantaneous attacks. Right. Yeah. So the long and short of it basically is if you trample over like four things and then take a free strike as you're trampling over another couple things, if the free strike kills you, you don't get to make all the original attacks that happened before you died. Right. And also, yep. if you have something like Dark Shroud, you don't get to use Dark Shroud on all the things you're attacking with your trample attacks because Dark Shroud checks your position when you make the attacks and you make your attacks at the end of your movement. Right. Okay, I think that's all the complicated stuff about tramples. Um, now, why are tramples great? Well, if you have dual attack, tramples are the best thing in the world because... Oh, yeah. They're just three inches of extra start range on your guns. Yep, three inches of extra threat on your guns. They cost a focus or a fury, and then you, know, you get all of your ranged initials because... Uh, Power attacks only use up your melee initials. Um, they are extremely good at uh, repositioning something that you don't want to just run because maybe something triggers at the end of movement that you want to take advantage of. Um, and so you can just trample into the zone or trample around from the zone. If you have reposition three tramp and you're slower than speed six, trampling gives you an extra inch of movement over running. If you're slower than speed eight and you have reposition five, I'm looking at you, Cray. Um, also, trampling. Uh, Aurora. <laughs> Aurora, oh. Yeah, can't. Yeah, yes, you're right. I forgot about that interaction. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, um, so if you're, if you're slower than speed eight and you have reposition five, trampling is faster than running because you can trample forward. Uh, whatever your speed is, plus three, and then reposition five, and you've gained eight inches of movement. And if you're speed six, that means that you've gone 14 inches instead of 12. Yep. Um, yeah. And if you if you have spellcasting or dual attack, like like Jaden said, it's a yeah. Deathjack really likes to trample um, because any, battle engine or warjack casters. Yep. Yeah. Any of those that can trample and have the trampling hooves rule um, yep. love to do it. 
um, Lilith uh, three, for example. Always. Tra- <laughs> yeah, always <laughs> tramples. She can trample 12 inches and then shoot 12 or 16 more instead of just walk nine and shoot that much. And it's yeah, it's the apocalypse. Um, Fortunately, so, people have forgotten about her. Eh, <laughs> for now. That's what worries me. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, I think you're going to start seeing her with a Blight Archon and some shooting things, but that's for another cast. Um, so tramples have the potential, like sweeps, to kill a whole bunch of models. But again, that calculus is, are they likely to die from a strength-powered damage roll? Because tramples do pow- uh, damage equal to your strength. And are there more of them in th- that trample line than my initials plus one? Now, it's a little bit easier to justify a trample because you can get at things that are like six to nine inches away from you pretty easily mm. that you couldn't normally. Um, so that's a lot better than a sweep. But it's, it's also tricky to do because you have to actually have a place to land when you're done with your trample. You have to have like a legal landing position or you, or you can't. That is the most annoying part. Yeah. No, no. Like following the rules is the most annoying part. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so tramples are, are just really, really excellent all around little tools for things though. And, um, part of the reason that the suppressor is so strong in my opinion is because it can trample and then spray. Um, part of the reason that, uh, I really like death Jack with some casters with ridiculous spells is because he can trample and then cast those spells. Um, Anybody that has field marshal reposition gets fantastic use out of trampling because you can just run farther than you normally would with most of your warjacks. So that's like Gareth one, um, Kaya three, uh, Cray, Aurora two in some ways. Um, it's just really, really strong. It's important to note also that tramples cannot be done by lights usually. Um, and that, Again, they can only go over small base models unless you are specifically the Razorwing Griffin or the Shrike. Yeah, both of which are uh, excellent. <laughs> those tramples are real fun. <laughs> those tramples are insane. Yeah, yeah, those are like, well, maybe my caster's in danger. Because <laughs> I get so many yes. dice. Yes. Um, so tramples have a lot of use cases. They are, I would argue that most of the time, tramples are going to be less useful than a slam. But their upside is much higher in many, many situations. And it's not so much that they're it's higher in they're one They're a lot case. easier to pull off. They're a lot easier to pull off, and you can do it turn over turn a lot of the time. Yeah, because most of the time you trample, and then you're like like miles away from anything that can get to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. And it's a good way to ignore a bunch of free strikes also. Like, if you've got a line of infantry between your, your heavy and the thing you want to be, where you place you want the heavy to be, just trample over them. As, like, long as, you, as long as your base goes over them. Yep. Yeah, and so this is a good this is a good time to slam down a proxy base in your intended landing position, and use a laser line to connect the edges of your proxy base and the original model, and just everything that would be between those laser lines gets trampled. Also, the mental image of a trample is probably one of the coolest things in this game. Just like rampaging monster goes through line of infantry, and un- and unfortunately, trample is not often used in monster apocalypse, which is a crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, a couple of other really interesting things that can happen off of a trample. Um, some effects that trigger off of destroying enemy models can happen after a trample. So the classic use case is goad from Mulg. Okay. Um, yeah. Mark two flashbacks, right? I forgot right. about that. 
So Mulk can trample over a bunch of things and then spend a, a fury to goad with Doomy One and just move another three inches, and then your caster dies. Um, and there, there are other things, I, I believe, that Overtake might trigger off of a trample, but I'd have to double-check the wording on on those things. Um, let me just let me just verify because I have that here. No, okay, overtake does not trigger because that's basic melee attack. Um, but if for some reason you had a, something that could trample and had blood boon, you could use that. Um, like Lilith, <laughs> although she doesn't like, often trample over things. Yeah, she doesn't often trample over things. Um, snacking triggers off tramples, which is really funny. Yeah, the tr- snacking unlike the other ones triggers every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's really fun when you've like just gotten your your heavy charge by like two or three reach models that are like in a row and then you just trample over all of them and heal for like 3d3 or 43 and it's like thanks for the snack guys um that's the dream or like collab <laughs> or collab <laughs> yes. so tramples have a ton of use cases um oh sprint sprint triggers off tramples yep. um so like golab can just trample 10 inches and then sprint seven more. And yep. surprise, he just ran 17 inches and contested that thing that you thought was uncontestable. Um, yeah. And, and that's, that's really the key with tramples is you need, to, you need to be on the other side of the table for some reason. Tramples are there to help you. Yeah, very, very much so. All right, let's talk about the best one, uh, which is throws. <laughs> this, is, this is the only one that's been nerfed in this edition, right? Uh, I mean, they've all been kind of nerfed because you can't. Oh yeah, you, I guess you can't slam your own things anymore. A lot of the time, of, it was because of these. <laughs> it's because of the rows. So I'm not going to read through throw step by step because it's seven paragraphs and it's dense. And I'm just kind of. And it it should read call a judge, especially if you need to least disturb. Yes, we'll talk about that in a second. And um, so throws basically are this: they have a half inch melee range unless you're a gigantic or colossal. Um, when you make an, a throw attack you get to wait are they half inch range hold um, on i think no they are not yeah I thought they are not okay so, so yeah it's just the open fists um so that they can be range one or if you ask oh yeah because you can elasticity somebody and throw from far away that's yeah. right so uh you you make an attack roll against your target a melee attack roll all of these attack rolls are melee which is very important um if you hit you make a strength check a strength check works like this. The defending model rolls a d6 and adds it to their strength score. If the attacking model has one open fist, they roll 1d6 and add it to their strength score. But if they have two open fists, they get 2d6 and add it to their strength score. If the attacked model has a higher total, the throw doesn't work. But on a tie... Or if the attacking model has a higher th- total, the throw works. Once that's all determined, this is the easy part. Um, you then get to choose where you are throwing to. And there's a couple of options. You can either throw the model directly away from you, which is basically just like make a laser line between your base and their base and then throw it along that line. Surprisingly distance. common. Surprisingly common. Or you can throw at something else. We're going to talk about that one first because it's a little bit easier to understand and uh, it's it, it's it's not more likely to come up, but it's how most people are going to use it when they start playing with these. Um, 
you can throw something equal to half of your attack of the attacker's current strength in inches. This doesn't round. This literally goes to the half inch. So if your strength is 17, you go eight and a half inches, which is a weird thing to have happen. It's a melee attack. So things like deceleration don't matter at all. So it used to be very common that you would... So in Mark II, you could throw your own models. So um, Troll, like the Troll Mauler, that was mm -hmm. called, um, had the best gun in the faction because it could rage itself and then just chuck one of the Creelstone guys and it's a POW-18 knockdown gun. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. It's really, really good. Um, so now, you, now it relies on having an opponent's model that you can do with that, but like if that happens, it's well, it's really okay. Bad. So it's important to know something else here. You cannot target your own models with the initial part of the throw. Yes. However, you can target your own models with the direction part of the throw. So it's pretty common for things to walk up to their throw target, turn slightly so that they can see one of their friends, throw the thing back at the friend, and then have the thing get eviscerated by everything. Yeah, like over your shoulder. Yeah, over your shoulders. Like, yo. Um, and uh, and then chuck it back that way. If you throw your model at another model, and it's in range, you have to make an attack against the model you're throwing the th the original model at. This is this is starting to get to the point where I break out math terms. Um, <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. No. All right. I won't. If it's in range, it's a melee attack roll. You can boost it. If it hits, great. The model that you threw stops at the model that you threw at. The throne model goes over all models that are smaller size base than it, but it stops if it would. Um, a same or larger, right? Same or larger, yeah. And also if it's uh, if there's an obstruction in the way. Yeah. So. Yeah, we still haven't even gotten to the complicated bits of this. Yet, <laughs> um, Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> if if the model is thrown, uh, I believe no matter what, it takes a a damage roll equal to your yes. your strength. Yeah, because that it, it's things that can't be thrown. Yep. If you if you throw it into something that is its size or bigger, it takes an additional damage dice, which is also true of slams. We forgot to mention that. Oh yeah. Um, and the model that it got hit takes a power a damage roll equal to your strength, and is also knocked down. Um, this can be really useful, but it's not what makes throws the insanity that they are. Right. Um, so, so use cases for this, chuck something out of the zone. That's easy. Um, throw and, a solo. Well, and it always goes half strength and always lands there. If there's, if you're doing it directly away. So it, it always gets that highest distance pre like in Mark two, it always scattered. So there's a chance you wouldn't quite throw it far enough. Yeah, actually, you know what? Let's let's talk about missing if that happens. Yeah, because boy. All right. So. Just when don't, just don't let it happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, why, well, why are we explaining this? We're, we're explaining because it it's important. If you miss the model you threw at. This is where it gets really weird. If you miss the model you threw at, you center a deviation template over the model you threw at and you roll a D6 for direction and a D3 for distance, just like a normal deviation. This means that if you miss your target, you can actually throw your model, the model that you threw, like up to four inches farther than it would have normally 
gone. Yeah. And you, you trace like a new line from mm-hmm. where it ends up, and that's what it hits along the way. So sometimes it'll stop in the middle. Yes. Now, it's important to note that you can throw models through yourself, which is why you can like reach over to your left side and then throw something at something to your right side. It doesn't contact yourself. That's like not a thing. Um, and yeah, so that's that's the 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 complicated but less actually useful version of a throw. It, it can be really good, like, if you can extend threat range. Uh, my favorite example for this is the Shadowhorn Seder, because it can walk, jump, and then throw. So you can throw something from 6, 11, 12, 12 inches away um, back at your lines and just get it, like, five and a half inches closer to you. Yep. Um, but the really devastating thing that you can do with a throw is throw directly away from you, if you can line it up properly. So if you choose to throw directly away from you, there's no attack roll for the second part. There's no deviation. There's no nothing. You just measure from, I believe, yourself. I think so. It might be from where they currently are. Shit, I forgot. I don't know. I just call it judge. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Well, let's see, and that's... And uh, that's actually... oh, okay. No, it's between the thrown model and the the target. So yes, you you measure from the model that is being thrown. Yeah, and so this is actually something where you don't want to call a judge because you need to know because it's so precise. You can line up really crazy things, and so yeah. you need to know precisely what it does. And, and I'll give you I'll give some examples of this in a moment. Um, but yeah, so you you line yourself up with your the direction you want to throw. You throw directly away. There's no deviations. There's no attack rules. There's nothing at all involved. The uh, model. After- after you've already succeeded in picking up. After you've already succeeded in the strength check. The model just goes half of your strength away and lands. Now, the important part of this... Oh, boy. We're going to get this wrong. Um, hold on. Okay, hold on. I'm trying to find the rule. And it's an important rule because essentially the way this works is when a model is thrown, if it would land on top of another model, the thrown model's position takes priority. Um, when it's like a directly away throw. Um, hold on a moment. Nope. 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 <laughs> what are you doing? I'm looking for the rule so I can cite it. Uh, I'm sorry. Least um, disturbance is the worst rule. Okay, here we go. Some rules can cause the basis of yeah moving models to overlap. Those of other models temporarily, such as when a model is thrown or slammed. Once the model has stopped moving, models must be repositioned so that the bases no longer overlap. Model that was moving stays in its final position. Other models are moved out of the way to make room. This is the important bit, and this is why this is so insanely strong once you understand how to apply it. Um, it's also worth noting that if you throw a model and um, if it activates in the same turn, which basically never happens anymore, even if it can't be knocked down, you have to sacrifice movement or combat action. I don't think this is actually going to come up like ever, but counter slam. Uh, that that's only it's only for throws. Oh, it's, oh, it's only for throws. Huh. Yeah, it's only for throws. Um, but like, let's say you crit devastate something with an AOE attack and you chuck one of your, all your own models away and it hasn't activated yet and yeah. it survives. Um, it has to sacrifice movement or action. Um, that's that's just a rule. 
All right, so least disturbance. We're coming back to this. So <laughs> I'm going to set up a scenario for you. I have a dire troll mauler. Sure, why not? Actually, no. Let's it's, let's. It's a really good thrower. <laughs> it's a, a good really example. good thrower. It's a good example. All right. So it's a dire troll mauler, and I have lined it up such that directly away from the dire troll mauler, there is my enemy warcaster. My enemy warcaster is point five, let's say, inches out of threat range of the rest of my army, and it's. Basically, it's slightly closer than uh, the the hold on the seven and a half inches I believe is what the dire troll mauler throws when it's when it's raged up. Or if you can run one of your models directly behind it. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's so it's slightly closer than seven and a half inches away from my dire troll mauler, and the model that I'm going to throw is lined up with the caster. My Diotro Mauler picks up or makes a throw attack, boosts a hit because that's what you do, wins the strength check because it's really hard to lose when you're a Diotro Mauler, yeah. and then chooses to throw directly away. At this point, you call a judge. Yeah. Um, so, so what Jaden has set up here, he's describing numbers, is he wants the Mauler to land so that it's overlapping half of the caster's base, but on the side that's further away from your army. So it's kind of like going over. Yeah, so the Mauler's going to travel over the opposing caster, or heavy for that matter, like could be anything um although it won't no, work heavy doesn't he work yeah heavy yeah. doesn't work so it has to be something smaller so like caster important like medium base medium base thing of some sort yeah. um so the heavy that you throw goes over the important model and lands its position is locked at this point least disturbance pushes the model that you actually care about towards the mauler so that it is no longer overlapping the throne model space and it's knocked down so yeah. you can engineer it so that your important model moves towards your mo army up to like, gee, what is most, it? Most Almost an, an, an inch, like an inch and a bit. Yeah, like a teeny bit more than an inch is knocked down and takes a pow, whatever the strength roll is as well. Insult to injury. Um, this is just insanely powerful the ability to do this um and circle does it best because the shifting stones are nuts but um, very easy to hit <laughs> very well more specifically shifting stones let you teleport a heavy to wherever you want and oh, then throw sure um yeah but that's that's more that's more important <laughs> yeah so really 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 call a judge if you're doing this at a tournament um but also if you're gonna do this during a game Make sure that your opponent knows that this is like a thing you're trying to practice and that this is how it works and have them like look at the rules so that they know you're not cheating because this can lead to some really feel bad moments. It, it sure feels like cheating. Yeah, it sure does. Um, this can also do really nutty things like push the caster an inch backwards so that maybe Severius is no longer feeding on your caster and your caster can now <laughs> cast spells. Um. It can move models out of shield wall. It can um, displace things that are in like wall of steel, like troll blood champions, um, trollkin champions. If you just chuck a heavy into the middle of them, goodbye, defensive line. And I'm um, pretty sure it's not a push. So I think it works on things that can't be pushed, like champions of the wall or initiates of the wall. Um, 
I don't know. We'd have oh, to look at it. No, in a but it doesn't it doesn't work on stones? Ah, shit, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there oh. there are some weird weird interactions with immovable object, which we're not going to cover because they're uncommon and outside the purview of this cast. Yeah. Um, but 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 that's yeah, that's one of the powerful things throws do. Yes, it displaces enemy models. It can actually displace your own models too, um, which can be really interesting because if you throw your model at a stationary one of your own models and shove it an inch forward, it doesn't have to sacrifice combat or movement because it wasn't thrown, and that's the only time that happens. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> But that inch better be worth it. <laughs> that inch better be worth it because they're also going to take like a about 12 to 15 or 16 yeah. damage roll, um, which is not nothing. Um, but, you know, eh, could I mean, be worth T- it. TK is a good spell. <laughs> TK is a good spell, yeah. So, yeah, throws more than anything else uh, reward ingenuity and the ability to look at the table and see it as a series of positionings. Yeah. Um, so one way I like to think about it, and this is actually something I learned from Alpha, is basically you take a large base and just kind of like hover it around models and see what <laughs> it can cover. And yeah. that's kind of what a throw can do. And yeah. so like, so yeah, so like if you cover up ha- you know, most of the caster's base, it pushes it forward. If you cover up three infantry models, they either die or get shoved out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And at very worst, all you've done is put a pretty chunky hit into something or two somethings and knocked them both down. Yes. To clear up line of sight. Or you've cleared a zone and killed the solo on the flag. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is so- a great activation. Yeah. Well, and I'll often... Um, I throw the hermit all the time. He's really yeah. easy to hit. He'll never win the strength check. Correct. He won't die, but you weren't going to kill him anyways if you're thinking about this. And so, yeah, you get him out of the way. And it's really funny if you kill him with this throw and then the, that, um, the no spell casting aura lands on their caster or something. Or even better, he's just got minus two armor up and now it's where you want it. Oh, yeah, that's way better. That's so fun. Yeah, because yeah, you're just like, um, how about your heavy has a hermit? right next to it now oh now i don't have to use mine (laughs) yeah now i don't have to use mine get wrecked um so yeah i think man throws are just power attacks in general but throws in specific are one of the coolest things about war machine yes they're very unique uh as to the way that the game works um the way that they are powerful in their displacement abilities the way that they can affect the battlefield and And, but still it's still a limited range right it's not like it affects the entire table. It's not like 72 inches. It's movement plus like nine inches tops. Well, it's movement plus melee range plus sure. base size plus whatever the strength is. In but half. still, it, it's 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 a it's something you can play around. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's, um, that's what I love about them. Yeah, and it's they're just so good. One of the things that I'm going to highly recommend that people listening to this cast do after this is that if you're you're a more experienced player and you're mentoring some new players, your your goal for the next like three or four games is no longer to win, is to do something cool with a with a throw or a slam power attack. Yes. Oh, also I highly recommend doing that during like demo and teaching games. It keeps you more interested in the game and it it's not a straight attrition thing, so they still get to play. Yeah. The uh, other cool thing about that in demo games is you can easily set up game winning throws for the new player without them going, oh, they totally threw because they're complicated enough that good War Machine players don't see it. And so you can do the whole like, oh, hey, check this out. You could use this really obscure but really, really cool rule. Yes. And 
and, and win the game. And they're like, wait, you're saying my massive monster thing can just pick up your robot and knock your caster down and then I can shoot it to death? And you're like, yes, yep. yes, you can. Welcome to the Iron Kingdom because it's awesome. Yes, and I find that fun, which is why I like Monbox. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool. Um, so, overall thoughts on power attacks, Brett? Uh, they are extremely open-ended. So, mm -hmm. it's hard to make a simple mental model for them. Mm. Right? It's, yeah. it, it's... like, And that's why, as soon as you talk about strikes, I'm like, well, they're just slams, right? Because you have to save that brain space because if you like all the details are so complicated and all the situations are so insane you have like you have to narrow it down and think okay i'm going to draw lines from this this low defense model and see like what things do i care about get knocked down um mm -hmm. i'm going to make sure that nothing is in walk and melee range if they have open fists um yes that I, that's that's really the big thing one other really funny thing about throws in particular and actually this works for slams too Something can be thrown multiple times per turn. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, I have definitely done like, congratulations, you just moved six inches towards this other heavy with two open fists. Congratulations, you just moved six inches back towards my other heavy. Congratulations, you should move six more inches back. To, like, I started off back in the game. <laughs> yeah. Or, or in really dumb case scenarios, and this mostly comes up with casters like Kruger too. Um, like megalith or somebody gallows the enemy caster closer than one of the world wardens walks up and chucks it back at the other world warden who walks up and chucks it back and then suddenly your caster's like in the middle of mm -hmm. everything and about to die um yeah and knock down <laughs> yep so yeah. and so i i like it because it's another angle that warjacks can take so it's mm -hmm. It's not like in addition to all of the killiness that they have, they also can do these special things if you keep in mind. And they're all free; they're all built into the chassis. So, right, no, knowing about for them. exactly knowing about them makes your models better without having to do anything to your list. Right. Yep, that's absolutely correct. Um, I think so. I think there is some argument to be made that a couple of them could use reasonably significant buffs. The Colossus um, ones. The Colossals ones, specifically sweeps. Like, if sweeps just got you murderous or something. Um, I, yeah, I would argue that. I think I think there's an argument you made that, like, we don't. I don't need Colossals being any better. If Gargantuans sure. had it built in, sure. <laughs> sure, something like that. Um, you know, but and and certainly, maybe if headbutts worked on larger base models, that'd be cool. But, eh. Like, I think as a whole, power attacks are pretty sweet. And if anything, I'd like to see a couple more. Um, yeah, but it, it's kind of hard to kind of come up with different mechanical things they can do. I can tell you, like, two right off the top of my head that I think would be cool. Okay. Uh, so it's like a slam, but it's it's both directions. It's like a It's like a push jump. And so <laughs> you move your speed plus three inches at the model. You make an attack. If you hit, they get moved... Let's say it's not like an actual slam. Maybe it's just two inches, and then you get to push yourself back like four inches. <laughs> like bouncing off of them? Yeah, you're just like jumping on them and then rebounding back. Uh, yeah, so that would be called dropkick. Sure, dropkick, whatever. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I'd use that all the time. Um, yeah. Can you tell we were circle players? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah. So I really liked Rose. I think that one of the things that you can do to improve your game the, the fastest is to look for angles for impactful power attacks in your games. They It's like in chess, there's a concept of like leaving pieces hanging where you're not guarding it properly so that you can your opponent can take it without losing as much stuff as you. War Machine power attacks feel a lot like that because if you're not paying attention, you will just lose the game. I also, I, I don't, this is our ironic point to bring this up, but I think a lot of the time power attacks go up in value the longer a game goes. So you're not really thinking about them the first couple turns, and then the last couple turns, you're like, they become critical. And if yep. you don't practice that, or if you like, if you don't get to the end of this podcast, you won't hear this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you don't get to the end, to the, to the like the, the bitter dregs of a game, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to see where they're useful. Yeah. Although I have to say, a really good simulation for this is Brawl Machine. It is. Yeah, Brawl Machine really amps up the power of power attacks. Yeah. And actually, we should probably talk about this in some other cast, but Brawl Machine is a really good simulator for turn four plus. Yeah. Um, after turn two. It's really interesting. But I think I feel like my late gameplay has gotten a lot better since playing Brawl Machine because it's very, very similar. Yeah, because you have six models left and you got you to gotta make them work. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's about a cast. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, we'd like to s- thank everybody who supports us on Patreon. You guys are incredible. Um, again, as we mentioned in the last cl- the last podcast, we're looking at changing the tiers up a little bit so that the benefits are slightly different. The new tier would be um, tier one. You get a fancy green name in our Discord, and you get access to a patrons-only channel, which will be different than the current one. It will be like a this is a channel that patrons can see and the three podcast members can see, and you can ask us questions and talk to us about stuff. Um, tier two would be you get to vote on a podcast once a month. Uh, we'll give you like podcast a list topic. Yeah, podcast topic. Sorry, you get to vote on podcast topic. We'll give you a list at the beginning of the month, and then week three or week four in the month, we'll use the podcast topic that got the most votes. Um, and then the tier three, uh, we're looking at you guys get to suggest podcast topics to go into that poll, and also you can record or request um, ver- uh, like variety intros to the podcast yeah like Um, director's notes on the script we give you (laughs) yeah so you can you can um you can record your own like i know uh tyrone from blightbringers is like can i just say welcome to line of blight i'm like (laughs) i guess you can (laughs) um or you could be like yeah or you'd be like hey chandler do the whole introduction as a pirate (laughs) Um, make, make it chandler since he's not here right now yeah exactly Anyway, so we would really love your feedback on that. Please let us know. You can message us on Patreon. You can message us on Discord or you message us on Facebook, which conveniently was one of the other things I was going to talk about in just a second. Um, But yeah, we want your feedback. That's likely to go into effect in April. So um, if we don't hear anything, we're just going to assume you're good with it and go for it. And if if uh, if that is uh, something that you don't want to see and that's going to take you off the Patreon, please let us know that and what what things you would be interested in, because we do value your feedback a lot and we appreciate the support you've given us across the last three years. Um, you can, uh, you know, check out our sponsors. Uh, we got Broken Egg Games, uh, and if you look at their web store, it's LOS5CODE is a code that you get 5% off of everything. And our other sponsor is figurepainters.com, which is the, the madman behind LVO War Machine Tyson. He's got some fantastic bases, busts, uh, flight trail things for Rocketmen, excellent tutorials as well, and some really, really, really cool galleries of, of models that he's painted. So I'd go check that out if I you figurepainters.com is, is the address for that. You can find our Facebook page, which is Line of Sight. It's just 
you know, it's a Facebook page. Search it up. It's there. It's actually the biggest Facebook page with that title, which is kind of cool because there's a few other ones. Um, we're, and we're, uh, we're not the video game called Line of Sight. We're not the video game called Line of Sight, which, from what I understand, is not very good. Um, <laughs> you can uh, join our Discord. Uh, invite for that is in the show notes of our podcast every week. Please come hang out with us. And if you're a new player, we have a channel just for you called the Mentoring Channel. Uh, so when you request posting rights in the um, the new or the uh, yeah the newcomers channel, please ask to be added to that. It's a special um, hidden channel where only new players and a select group of like. Uh, Tournament organizers, event organizers, and mentors uh, are there to answer your questions, help you build lists, potentially play games with you, uh, and talk through things. So, you know, come check that out. It's really good. And if you know anybody that's a new player, send them our way. Uh, it's a good community. Um, you can find our website, which is loswarmachine.com. We've got painting articles coming out like Madness this week because I've been on a roll. We got Brawl Machine articles from Phil. We got a um, bunch of different podcasts, which you probably heard in the intro. Um, and, and all manner of content creators for, uh, various things on there. So, you know, come look, we, 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 uh, we have stuff on there and we're, we're, we're excited about it. And, uh, yeah, that, I think that's, that's about it. I'm not going to talk about Twitter cause I don't care about Twitter. Oh, <laughs> I guess, I guess email address cause people have been emailing us. It's loswormahords at gmail.com. Feel free to email us with any questions you've got. Uh, we, we check it fairly regularly. So that's episode 160. We did it. So, uh, let us know what you think about power attacks. We like them, obviously. Yeah, and yeah, and I think that episode episode went well. We'll probably do D and D next. Oh yeah, D and D next week, and then probably um, probably the one shot in addition to the regular content coming out soon after that. Cool. So, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll we'll talk to you next week. Bye.
Bye, güey.